sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, but now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Because I'm about to put on a show. Find yourself alone, listening to a podcast. Maybe you're in your car, or some kind of after-hours gym. All the equipment is damp. It's very concerning. For your consideration, I present the hosts M and T from Good Pop, Bad Pop. They claim to tell you what to watch on TV. Or is TV watching them? Maybe they'll review Shazam. Or maybe... They'll review something much better. All that is certain is that uncertainty abounds as this podcast enters the Twilight Zone. Good afternoon, listeners. Yes, it's our Twilight Zone episode of Good Pop, Bad Pop. How are you, Em? Feeling spooky. Spooky? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just barreled through four episodes of the new CBS show, Twilight Zone, and we have a lot of thoughts, and we want to explore the history a bit, because everyone's heard of the Twilight Zone. hmm Yes. And today we're also going to review Shazam, the new movie. <laughs> <laughs> new Shazam. New not, Shazam. Not 90s bad Shazam. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we dive into those big reviews. M, what have you been up to this week? Nothing. Just all the things you just said. <laughs> ah, nothing new for us to cover? No, nothing at all. I heard you watched a finale of You're the Worst. I did. Yeah. But I thought we were discussing that later. So let's jump into it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we saw the end of one of our favourite bad people shows, You're the Worst. And what an ending to wrap this baby up on. Now, we've talked about You're the Worst a few times. Not enough, in my opinion. Not enough. And while it sounds cliche, the show about bad people, because there's a lot of them, but this is one of them, and a particularly interesting one I found. Mm, mm. A lot of exploration of why the people are, well, shitty. So you watch um, something like Seinfeld, which was famous for being, you know, average shitty people where nothing happens, or, say, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and mm. they're just shitty people and no thoughts given. This show really dove into all the characters on why they were so shitty. Mm. You know, um... We've well, got a veteran, we've got someone with severe mental illness, we have someone with big daddy issues and uh, narcissistic tendencies. Uh, some of the others I'm not too sure about. Gee, all kinds of things. Delusions of grandeur, all yeah, sorts. Desperate seeking of validation mm. and anyway they all hang out and go on adventures and try and live functional lives despite being totally shit sunday fun day better than a monday yeah now after what was this five seasons i think so yeah five seasons yeah it has come to a close the shitty people mm. are i don't know how much do you want to talk about the plot <laughs> well not a whole lot <laughs> i would like people to watch the show um but yes i do have some thoughts i think they did a very good wrap up to the show i think one of the benefits of of ending in an earlier season is that you get to have full control about how and when you go out so they've written this whole season with 
the intention of wrapping up the show. They fed you bits and pieces as to how they think or how they wanted you to think this was going to end. Mm. Um, I mean, there was a little part in the middle where some timelines changed and it got a bit confusing and we had to... Was it three times that we had to go back and, and watch one or two particular scenes and we're like, what yeah. is happening here? Like, it was very clever, but did take a couple of watches. It was too clever. It was a bit <laughs> hard because there was some jumping, you know, you get the epilogue of what everyone's doing 10 years down the track or three years down the track or whatever. Mm. And they cut between these a little too seamlessly. Yeah. And it was quite confusing. <laughs> it was confusing, but it was very clever. So I'm like, yeah, no, good job. <laughs> so the beauty of this show was um, you were never really anticipating any kind of happy ending. Like, they were barreling towards a... I guess you'd call it a happy ending. But you were, it was the first show where you weren't... Like, you watch a show and you go, it'll all work out in the end, because it's TV. This is mm. the first show I've ever seen where the whole time, like, this isn't going to work out. This is, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, there's this base level of anxiety of it all going wrong. Even in the last two episodes, there's, you know, some ultimatum business going on. You're like, I don't... I don't know what I want to happen. Like, do I want this ending or this ending? What's ultimately going to be better? What's going to be more satisfying for me as the viewer, but better for the people in the show? <laughs> yeah. And I was the same. They'd be like, oh, there'd be a big fight, a big issue. And you'd be like, oh, I don't know who is right here. Like, mm. this is really complex. And, oh, it was interesting stuff really interesting take on it yeah for sure i think they um it was very good to see that it ended how it started it's just a a beautiful chaotic mess with characters going their own ways about things so uh it all went well but not in the traditional ways in which societal expectations would expect yeah, and it was it was very good in that everyone didn't all of a sudden get better and become good people yeah. at the end of the show. It was very they all real. Still, yeah, it was very real. They also had their issues, and they sort of mm. hinted that the issues still exist in the future jumps, even though some yeah. situations were resolved. And a very mature take on it, I thought. Mm, yeah, it was very, very good. So um, very nice way to wrap up the series as a whole. Um, I, I, I didn't think I was going to miss them as much as I do, but here I am. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we do highly recommend watching that show. It's a good five seasons worth, and it's pretty funny. And it's very funny. It, you wouldn't even call it a comedy. It's I, I would. I mean, <laughs> it's a comedy that's got some deep drama moments. Like, it's still, as I've mentioned before, still has one of the most realistic, deep, solid explorations of mental illness that I've ever seen, which hmm. was strengthened only in this final season as well. Yeah. With a lot of um, denial and sweeping things under the rug and all sorts. A lot of denial. Mm, mm. Yeah. So really good. Fantastic. Fantastic season. Fantastic finale. Solid show. Hmm. Cool. Um, you're the worst. Give it a go. You're the worst. And every season they do a Sunday fun day episode where they just go on hipster adventures. And... Mm, it's a bit of a bottle episode where they start off with brunch and then things ensue. <laughs> Real millennial episode, I find, but uh, really good. Um, movies. Seen any movies this week? Um, only the big one that we're going to review. You also saw The Brothers Grimsby. Yeah, I'm trying to forget that I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to review that. But let's talk about it briefly, because I did put a tweet out about it, because um, like I, I'm pretty hard to gross out. Like I, I, I like a bit of gross out humor. I think it's funny. Um, but this... I found it. I found the line. I found where I've gone. No, no, this is it. And and the 
the previous successor, the grossest thing that I had seen before this movie is uh, from Van Wilder. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> when, uh, if you're not familiar, the they, they uh, make some eclairs with some dog semen, which they acquire manually. Um, and then you see people eat them, and it's gross. And I'm like, yep, this is it. This is the peak of disgusting film and television. And if I you're can't get confused past it. and haven't seen Van Wilder, go see Van Wilder. That was a great movie. Ryan Reynolds at his peak. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably how I got into him. And also, double fun fact. Van Wilder, the movie, is based on uh, Burt Kreischer, the ah. comedian. So on his real-life story, because Burt Kreischer was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, and then the Van Wilder writers approached him and said, can we make a movie about you? And he said no, and then they made it anyway. <laughs> and he really? gets zero anything from it. But, it's yeah, it's, it's based on him, and a lot of those stories are too. That blows my mind that that's... Mm movie is sort of based on a true story. Does that mean Superbad's based on a true story? I don't think so. All right. <laughs> well, that was a good dream while it lasted. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, uh, Brothers Grimsby has outdone so that Ben Wilder scene and... Elephant semen has the trophy. Yeah, yeah, elephant semen trumps dog semen, I think. This is animal semen in general. I don't care to see on television. <laughs> I actually quite... Enjoyed the movie because I never watched this because the Sasha Barra Cohen era was over. His type mm. of comedy wasn't really in vogue anymore since the Borat days. And so I'd never thought about this movie, but it popped up on Netflix, gave it a watch, and I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was all right. It was a bit gross. A <laughs> bit gross? <laughs> Beg your pardon? But you were laughing the whole movie. I w- ex- oh, Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look, the movie had its moments, but I don't know that I'd recommend it. And I would especially beg people to reconsider. Because you know what it was like? It's like when they were writing that film, they were like, you know what was funny? When Ace Ventura crawled inside a rhino butt. Now how can we turn that shit to 11? And they did. And they got to 12. They did. <laughs> they did. So um, don't watch it. <laughs> Shit's gross. <laughs> um, what was the other thing? Have you seen the Lion King trailer this week? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Okay. I have been trying to avoid them because I know I'm going to get the Lion King Broadway syndrome where I really resist the urge to stand up on my seat and go, you have the wrong inflection. This is wrong. So um, I have, I'm have i very apprehensive towards seeing the live action Lion King film. I will, of course, see it the day it comes out um, in all of my Lion King attire. You better believe. I know your Lion King attire pajamas. No. All right. I have a dress with pockets. 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 What, what do you put in your pockets? Bubblegum. Secrets. Secrets in your pockets. <laughs> All right. I because I've I've not had much thought about this, and I've mentioned this before. This live action stuff, I'm still not sold. Like we watched Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, I mean, cool. Then the novelty wore off after ten minutes. And I wasn't into it anymore. Didn't you like the Jungle Book one? Didn't you watch that? That that wasn't the remake one. That was that earlier one. I haven't seen the remake of Jungle yeah. Book. That was that other actual just Jungle Book. There's a lot of them. I don't know. Jungle Book wasn't my jam. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Same with Aladdin. But then they were showing all the lions and all talking. And then I was remembering the Mufasa scene. And I thought, oh, God, I can't watch this <laughs> recreated differently. I'd, I'll be a wreck. I didn't think about it. How devastating that to see that scene made again. 
Like, I only got through it before because you knew it verbatim, you knew it word for word, you knew the scene, so you were used to it, so it never affected you. Now they're going to do it again, and I might cry in a movie theatre. It's not so much the death that will upset me. It'll be the baby Simba pouring yeah, in Mufasa's yeah. face going, Dad, wake up! Bring tissues. Yeah, it's going to be a bummer. <laughs> Man, as long as I don't remake Fox and the Hound, because I can't, can't, no, <laughs> stop. Why don't I even bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> what survived that one? <laughs> oh my god. Um, other than that, I do have a movie review, and I was oh, in you do. two minds whether to mention it on the podcast because I was going to have to justify justify it as a well. This is interesting, nerdy already. pop culture podcast. So, in my other alter ego, I'm a bit of a sports fan, mm-hmm. and you know, sports movies are generally bad unless they're kids' sports movies. I'm talking like Mighty Ducks, Little Giants. Sandlot, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So adult sports movies are either bad or good for other reasons not to do with sport. Right. Like Moneyball? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Moneyball. I went the program. Go on. So Moneyball was great. That was... Who was in that? That was Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. And it like while it was about baseball, it wasn't about baseball. It was about the economics of team building. And that mm. sounds boring as hell. But... <laughs> So the movie I watched was called Draft Day. Right. Kevin Costner, uh, Jennifer Gardner, and the guy is the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Famously rubbish team. Now, there's no sports in this sports movie. Great. I'm it's, interested. Yeah, it's leading up to Draft Day. Now, in NFL and all sport, mm-hmm. Draft Day is football Christmas. You get new toys, you get new presents, you mm-hmm. get new players, and all the teams take turns picking new players. And they've made a whole movie about drama leading up to this process and you know you can like sport because you like watching the sport you can also mm-hmm. like the sport because of the strategy the nerdy way to like sport is to like the team building the collection of players <laughs> the structuring of contracts nonsense like that it's so lame <laughs> yeah and so i was like watching this and i really enjoyed this movie and i was like why am i enjoying it i mean uh, you get into if you ever watch the league it's a show about fantasy football it's not actually about real football. It's about fictional football sports, which, am you play fantasy football. So. I do. Because I watch the league. Because you watch the league. <laughs> and so this sort of taps into that part of your brain that goes, all right, let me nerd this. Let me nerd this sport. <laughs> How can I ruin sport for everyone? <laughs> and what I thought about it, the whole movie is because you have these draft picks that you use to pick players. And you trade, you can trade them to other teams, you can trade for other players, and you can get more tickets to the draft, like the lottery. Mm. Um, and it's like a trade in Pokemon. <laughs> so you're building your ultimate roster of Pokemon, and you trade with other trainers for players who do all this stuff. And this whole movie is just based around this guy trading draft picks, maneuvering around the draft board to try and get the best players possible. And it's compelling as shit. <laughs> like, it was really good. And it was like the nerdiest sports movie ever, so I thought I'd bring it to your attention. Um, unless you have mild interest in NFL, you're not going to like it but (laughs) if you really liked Moneyball which was a weirdly nerdy sport movie you'd like Draft Day same sort of same sort of sport movie there was sport in Moneyball there was no sport in Draft Day and they talk Terry Crews is in it they talk to like well why didn't you lead with that now I'm interested yeah because there's and there's all these little things like all the all the young kids have just come out of college they're about to get drafted by a football team they're about to make money and so they're all excited too and like I'm mm-hmm. the best player you should pick me and someone you know one of the kids dads is Terry Crews and 
It's like, you got to pick him, but they all have, you know, doing all the research on the players. And oh, anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up. I quite liked Interesting. it. Yeah. Interesting. But that's all I've watched this week, too. Everything else we're going to cover in larger sections. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to do Twilight Zone or Shazam first? I think we've got to go Twilight Zone. Do, 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 do. After the break. Welcome back. You've entered the scary door, the astral dimension, the... Anyway, you've heard all these things before. <laughs> so, a new show's just come out. They've rebooted Twilight Zone again. Um, Not just they. Jordan Peele has Jordan done Peele it. has done it. And this and is a big deal because he has been reinventing the genre of thriller-horror business and doing a stellar job. So, when people heard he was doing it, everyone was like, ooh... I'm interested, I'm interested, and we'll talk a little bit more about how his involvement has kind of shaped this rendition of Twilight Zone. But I believe you may have some history for us. Yeah, so... Hit us with it. Jordan Peele took the job as the narrator, which is the best job in any Twilight anything. Well, he also made the series, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. (laughs) But, like, the best bit is the guy who just walks in at the start and at the end of the show and speaks in a monotone is, here, for your consideration. Blah, 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 blah. So... Twilight Zone first started in the 50s, 1959. Ran f- oh. Yeah, ran for five years, um, the first run. Usually half hour, mm-hmm. a couple of hour ones. And this was very comparable to what I was reading the history of Star Trek, because people like, oh, science fiction is escapism. Mm. And Star Trek at the time was doing something similar. But um, Twilight Zone was a lot of science fiction, supernatural. Yeah, thriller. I often think of the two. Like whenever I think of like early sci-fi, I think original Star Trek, Twilight Zone. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, and they wanted to do these little mini stories where they sort of have a lesson or a moral, or mm. you know, there's a punchline to it. Yeah, there's usually a twist. There's a high concept in there. Very high concept yeah. and reflecting on the nature of humanity and stuff like that. Mm. And this was always a hard sell. Took them a while to get away. Same with Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and they're little self-contained little mini episodes. There's no like actors from episode to episode. They're all little self-contained stories. And you just didn't realize how pervasive Twilight Zone was on everything, and um, mostly because of The Simpsons and Futurama. Oh yeah, from my perspective, which we'll go into <laughs> a bit more detail. So that ran for five years, became quite iconic. Had an '80s reboot, so that was the first revival. 2002, they did another reboot, second revival. Mm-hmm. Well, also in the '80s, they did a Twilight Zone movie that Spielberg was involved with. Right. And then the third revival, 2019, which has started this month by Hell Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, so, geez, where did I have in? Let's start with the what the modern stuff's doing. So, self-contained episodes, well, new before actors. Before we do that, can we talk about The Simpsons first? Because I'm so excited. To okay, talk about yeah, that. tell okay. us tell us about that. Let's let's go that way. <laughs> so, let's get some chronological business going on here. So, a um, couple of things. Like you said, it's amazing to really sit back and think about just how much Twilight Zone has seeped into literally every aspect of pop culture. <laughs> um, I guess because it was so innovative, like it was the first thing doing stuff like this, um, and it just became so iconic and tropey to, um, you know, to 
pay homage to Twilight Zone. Um, and we see this most frequently more than in anything else in uh, Treehouse of Horror episodes of The Simpsons. Mm, mm. Now, I I think I knew about one or two of them that were adapted, but I didn't realize just how many. Um, so one that we are going to talk about quite a lot is the Gremlin on the side of the bus, which you probably remember from uh, Treehouse of Horror 4. And, uh, and that's when there's a gremlin on, on the side of the bus um, trying to attack Bart, and Bart's all like, there's a gremlin on the bus. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> Anyways, um, that is based off the Twilight Zone episode, uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. And we, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and it's delightful. It is great cause it's and, so and terrible. And who plays the role as the passenger? I know. It is Shatner. William Shatner. Yeah, it took me a second. I'm like, I know who it is, but I forget. So, bit probably a bit before he got into Star Trek, he was the freaked out passenger going, <laughs> there's a goblin on the plane ripping up the engine, oh my god. And you know that it's dated, because the first thing that happens in that episode uh, of, of the Twilight Zone, the OG, um, he just whips out a cigarette on a plane, and this little girl's like, you can't smoke on the plane! And um, <laughs> she's really annoying, and then falls asleep a second later. It's, it's all very confusing. And she'd have been Triloquist dummy for some reason. I think maybe in the original Twilight Zone series, they also had little crossover-y things, right. so I don't know if that ties into one of those other episodes. Um Anyway, he also just grabs a gun from someone who's just sitting on a plane. So this was a time when you could smoke and have guns on planes. <laughs> <laughs> and just crank on the, the window to... Yeah, just slide it on open. Um, so it's really fun to watch that, that particular episode because it's just dated as fuck. Um, plus, you know, early Shatner, so it's good times. Um, so it was very interesting watching that and the parallels because... Now, you were saying to me earlier, before we were recording, that um, that particular episode had a reboot that was... So that's one of the famous episodes. That one got redone in the 80s as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That one's been redone a few times. Okay. It's a borderline a classic story at this point. Oh, yes. But made most famous by Bart Simpson on the school bus. Definitely. (laughs) So instead of grabbing a gun, he grabs a stick of dynamite from Mum's pants. Because... It was a a firecracker. (laughs) I don't think had a dynamite on the bus. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry, firecracker. (laughs) That's the same difference. Um, Yeah, that's what I meant. My bad. Um, So other ones that you see in The Simpsons as well is... um, a kind of stopwatch, so that's the one where Bart and Milhouse have this stopwatch that stops time, and Milhouse claims to be the, the second coolest kiddo on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, how to cook for man, or for a man, or how to serve man. Um, so that's the the cookbook one with the aliens, they keep blowing and the cover off. I quite liked this one a lot, because mm. it had the opposite ending to the... Um... The original one. So in the original one, the aliens come up, we're going to help you with everything. Here's our book, How to Serve Man. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, they're going to do everything for us. Yeah, come on our ship. And they're weighing them as they get on the (laughs) ship. These really tacky 60s camp aliens. Like, get on the ship. Like, oh, eat your food. And the guy's like squeezing his arm. Like, yes, eat your food. And someone's like, it's a cookbook. Dun, dun, dun. And it was like, we're going to eat. The aliens are going to eat them all. Whereas in The Simpsons, they go in the other direction, how they go, <laughs> they have the same plot, and like, no, it was how to um, cook for 40 humans, <laughs> or whatever it was, and we were going to give you everything, but you ruined it, and it was like, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> like, so they've done the opposite ending, which I quite liked. Such a good add-on. So yeah. they've got that, there's also um, 
Living Doll, which is the one. Um, I'm just going to talk about what happens in the Simpsons episodes because I feel like most of our audience <laughs> audiences are going to relate to that one more. And that's the one with the little crusty doll. Uh, you know, the Frogger is also cursed. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, that's, that's my takeaway from that episode. Um, the mask, you know, the one where they were that. Is it the aliens who come and turn everyone into the... Oh, it was a witch. Yeah, my bad. Just on Living Doll. Living Doll was also the inspiration for Child's Play, for Mm. Chucky, for the haunted evil doll. Yeah, so... So there's a lot of horror franchises that got launched from Twilight Zone plots back in the day. Well, that's just it. And like we said, it just sort of... It leaches into every pop culture aspect that there is. Um, So, yeah, there was also the the masks one, which I just said. Um, Now, one that I didn't realize, which was surprising, is um, the, the Twilight Zone episode, Missing Girl... Which is the episode of what what I still consider to be like the more recent episode <laughs> um, of the Simpsons Strauss of Horror when Homer goes three D he goes into the third dimension ninety seven yep yeah <laughs> do you remember what a big deal that was like that, I do. Homer is going three D and everyone's just like what and then he gets brought into reality and goes like ooh erotic cakes <laughs> he goes into a bakery with penis cake. <laughs> Didn't even make that connection. Didn't even remember that? No, it was too busy being like, Homer is walking among people. It was just like mind-blowing technology at the time. Has anybody seen Tron? (laughs) (laughs) So there was that that one. And the other one is, of course, the one where um, Lisa accidentally makes a mini civilization in a Petri dish. And Bart ruins it. Um, And... Luckily, um, there is a fantastic YouTube clip that has the side-by-sides of the Simpsons episodes and also the Twilight Zone episodes, and we'll pop that up onto our Twitter and our Facebook so you can have a look at it later, Um, because it's just so great to see how these things get these inspiration from Twilight Zone episodes. And there was um, another one you forgot, uh, It's a Wonderful Life or It's a Good Life, Mm. about a young boy who can control everything and so he can read your mind happy thoughts all everyone's the time. gonna think happy yeah. thoughts that's right and bart has that in the simpsons episode what i did find out so mm. they had this um this kid's evil well no he's not evil he's kind of evil anyway he <laughs> everything he made the whole world go away and if he's mad at you he'll make you disappear to a mm. cornfield which was code for murdering you um when they rebooted that in the 2000s they made a sequel where he was all grown up and had been this way the whole time and he has a daughter who has the mind control powers too and the daughter ends up bringing the rest of the world back and oh that's nice yeah it's a whole thing does this have anything to do with children of the corn the cornfield and the creepy kid thing seemed comparable because he's sending people to the cornfield yeah anything maybe it's a coincidence i don't know if you know please uh send us a tweet good pop underscore bad pop it seemed a few equivalent beats, but um, mm. yeah. Um, the other one I was quite fond of is Futurama used to roll with a segment of this as well, and theirs was called The Scary Door. <laughs> and um, they did little mini episodes mm. that was, um, you know, aliens being killed by T-Rex and stuff. And, <laughs> that one was pretty yeah. good. I'm not a big uh, Futurama fan, but I did, I did enjoy that because it just made no sense. <laughs> Why was it there? Well, they were doing a, a War of the Worlds homage. Like, the aliens are destroying us all. And then all the aliens crash. And then they're like, oh, the most humblest things destroyed the aliens. Because in War of the Worlds, they all caught a cold and died. Oh, and that was dumb. Were, yeah, well, that was it. And they were setting up for that. It's like, the humblest of creatures killed the aliens. T-Rex! <laughs> Just yeah, this yeah, T-Rex. Yeah. Like, rah! Eating aliens. It was so good. Uh, anyway. So, 
what was amazing, I was research for researching this podcast and researching the episodes of mm. that we just watched, and um, I'd read a story. I'm like, I, I know this from somewhere, and yeah. I, I've seen it in The Simpsons. I've seen it in movies, and it was just how pervasive these plot lines were. It's really mm. amazing. Um, so that brings us to 2019. 2019, First here we are. four episodes are out at time of recording. Mm-hmm. Um, the, be- the best, the most interesting one so far, they did a reimagining of Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Yes. And they called it Nightmare at 30,000 feet, starring Adam Scott. Now, at this point, I'm not going to tell you what happens, because mm. it takes the concepts and they sort of reimagine it and do it in a different way um adam scott is a bit creeped out about his flight he finds a podcast mm. that tells him about a plane crash that is starting to bear a lot of similarities to the one he's on dun, 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 on and, flight ten fifteen. and this was the most tense era of television i've ever watched like, <laughs> it was it was pretty tense for something that was essentially shot in one spot yeah and just i was it was so tense, and it makes so much sense. You, you said it before, how oh, Jordan Peele's doing this, mm. and er- everyone's loving his new take on horror movies. Um, yeah. I love to get out. I haven't seen the new one yet. Mm. But, um, yeah, it makes so much sense. This was the tensest hour of TV. I've been unsettled all morning. Yeah, it was... Because <laughs> we, uh... we watched, like, three in a row. But... <laughs> well, yeah, we did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was very good, and um, definitely a bit of a different take to the, the previous ones, but um, I really liked that it was that they really sort of made it their own, but still kept true to that whole, um, you know, there's always some higher concept or meaning or, or moral to the story in that, you know, it's it very much relates to the saying, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was very good. Adam Scott was fantastic and it did a great job of being someone slightly crazy and neurotic, <laughs> as, as he tends to do. Um, and something else, just, just speaking of how he is the lead in this particular episode. Um, so like the Twilight Zone, every episode has got a completely different cast. Um, very Black Mirror in that way. Um, yeah. it's sort of like Black Mirror, but instead of stories about technology, it's stories about morals. <laughs> well, it's like creepy, supernatural, mm. sci-fi, psychological, thrillery. Yeah. 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 Spooky thrillers. Um, but what is great about it is just the diversity in casting. And of the four episodes, there has only been one white male lead. Hmm. Um, gender-wise, we've got two two male, two female, or two yeah, men, two true. women, um, all of different ethnic backgrounds as well, which is uh, amazing to see just how much diversity in just the first four episodes. Um, and, and that is definitely something that, Peel is really big on putting in all of his films, which stems from a lot of, I think, his own experiences. Um, there was a lot of Get Out vibes in Replay Yeah, so there's as well. an episode called Replay, which is sort of probably their take on the stopwatch plotline where I they can think stop so. time. But this one... Very loosely based, yeah. She can... Uh, this lady's going through town. She seems to be in a sort of a redneck area. Mm. And she can rewind and... That she keeps playing over and over again, and there's this just this dick of a cop who's profiling them and keeps trying to yeah. arrest them. And because it's middle America, things she's tend a lawyer to and has a nice car, and she's just taking her kid to college. And um, and yeah, and that was um, that was an amazing story about institutionalized racism and um, you know, strength versus institutions, you know, people power versus the man and so on and so on hmm. um yeah fantastic story i can't work out which one has been my favorite i can say my least favorite was the one that we just watched which was the um 
What was that one called? So this was called A Visitor. Yeah, or, no, right. no, A, no, a Traveller. A Traveller. Yeah. Which was based on one of the old stories called mm. um, They're Going to Arrive on Maple Street. Mm. And reading, I didn't watch this old one, but the plot of the old one was really good. So the old one, the story was every, the power's playing up and everyone's all like, aliens are coming. Mm. And, oh, they're among us. And everyone goes crazy and goes, you're an alien because you're doing this. You're an alien, mm. you're doing this. And they all go crazy and get paranoid and riot and mob mentality. Yeah. And everyone goes crazy. So if you think about the era, this was fear of Russians. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the twist at the end of this episode was the well, aliens... Well, let's also not give away the twist of the episode that's just come out. <laughs> no, 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 This is the one from 60 years ago. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah go this on. This is then. the old okay, one. Okay, that's fine. Spoilers are probably okay then. <laughs> yeah. I, and the whole twist of this one, everyone went crazy and then aliens were invading, but they didn't actually do any of the stuff. They just were sitting back <laughs> watching and stuff. So, uh, yeah, one of these modern ones was similar in they were all scared of Russians and stuff and... Yeah, very this. very loosely based concept, but I had to yeah, like you had to read about it to work out what happened. Like it it wasn't executed as well. I don't know if that was um... well reading about it. I think it made sense. It wasn't satisfying to watch, but the mm. the thing is that they're not perfect narrative stories. Yeah, and that's what makes it so uncomfortable to watch these shows because there's I suppose. they're not you know they're not narratives. It's just a bunch of stuff happens and. You sort of infer what you can from it. Well, that's not true. There's still stories. They still have um, the, um, you know, the the Aristotle beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> um, but it's I don't know. I, I just didn't find that one as clear no, as the other wasn't. ones. Um, now the first episode of this reboot Twilight Zone was um, what was it actually called the comedian. Oh, it was just called or the a comedian. comedian, a comedian, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that was an original story. Yeah. Yeah. And um, really a strong way to start off. Like, that was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, really great way to reel people in. Um, so I thought that was really great. Like like I said, all the episodes are fantastic. Um, a Traveller, for me, has been the weak one here. Um, and what a lineup in the cast. Like, besides diversity, like... There are some, there are names in this show and upcoming. I think the next episode that is going to come out uh, comes out tonight, does it? Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure when it comes out, but either way, soon. Um, has oh, what's that guy's name? Um, don't know. Oh, okay, well, just rose my story. But anyway, <laughs> um, the plot for that looks very interesting as well. Because um, at the end of each episode, they offer a teaser about here's what's going to happen on the next Twilight Zone. Um, now, if you do want to watch this in Oz, the best place to find this is on 10 All Access. So that is currently where you can get it because it is a CBS show. Um, but yeah, fan- fantastic. I-, I honestly wasn't expecting to like this reboot. Um, the intro, while I would call it a remastered kind of version, is still really camp. Mm-hmm. But it's all kind of part of the charm. You sort of really get sucked into it and it's really... Yeah, so there's <laughs> the, the modern tension and horror. Not horror, but creepiness. Yeah. And with the really camp intro, mm. you know, you're on a plane, another dimension. <laughs> Sight and mind. and Anyway, you <laughs> use some more attempt at it at the start. I don't quite have the voice. Mm. But... Good fun. But yeah, it's, um, if you really like the idea of, um, Black Mirror, yeah, you're probably going to love this. It's a di- completely different take on it, but that sort of style. And there's a lot to 
unpack in every episode. Yeah, like some good, some morals uh, are quite obvious, but others are a bit yeah. more subtle and good conversation starters. Yeah, mm. and just there was a, just such a rich history when I yeah. started looking into this. I watched a few of the old ones, and it's great because they because the old they don't ones, age well. <laughs> no, and they're quite long winded. So people have been super cutting them where they just cut the dialogue and remove all the dead space and you can mm. burn through an episode in four minutes we saw the one with um the genie with the tainted wishes <laughs> the four minute cut of that was so yeah weird. and like uh, you've seen there was also we didn't mention this one there was a simpsons episode similar to this with the monkey paw where he makes wishes and all the wishes were tainted like I forgot about that one yeah and so they had one like that and the guy goes i want to be a leader leader in a country <laughs> and then he finds himself as hitler at the end of the war and he's like shit <laughs> this is not what i requested yeah, yeah good twist so yeah great 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 yeah. right. so look into it and watch some old episodes for some for funsies as well and yeah. uh keep an eye on on twitter and facebook for that link of the simpsons and twilight zone og series side by sides because it's um it's fun to watch it's good times hmm, hmm. um yeah i would recommend that too and after the break we have a movie review shazam coming up It's my turn for the intro. Hello. I can't (laughs) do every intro. (laughs) I was not informed. Uh, Shazam. Now, I have been very excited to see Shazam because it's got my boy Fee in it, Zachary Levi, who once told me that my hair was super fly. Not even joking. I met him and he said my hair was super fly. And um, what can I say? We're married now. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. No, um, he honestly is just one of the most lovely people in Hollywood, not just coming from myself. Um, but every time he's on a podcast, um, every time someone else is on a podcast who has talked about Zachary Levi, like everyone says he is just a sweetheart. Like he is the nicest guy. He's very genuine. Um, so I was so happy that he got to live his geeky dream and be in Shazam. He also runs a, uh, well, I don't think he's run the last couple of years, but he's used to have a uh, mini con along the same time or the week after Comic-Con. Um, called nerd machine Mm. and that was really fun he'd like do a lot of live streams from that um so he's a massive nerd so it's just so great to see him get an opportunity to finally uh super suit up and um get to be a superhero so yeah very excited very excited for this film i really liked it um just before we dive into the movie yeah i wish to do a how did we get here segment um sure i guess you can do that just a quick history on the character, because I was not familiar with Shazam. Okay, well, before we jump into this rendition of the movie, tell us all about it. So, let me set the scene. 1939. Good Lord. This character was invented. Um, do you know what he was called in 1939? Was he called Captain Marvel? He was, <laughs> which confused the hell out of me. <laughs> so, I had to do yeah. some Googling and find the story of this. That's why it's so funny that... Captain Marvel, Marvel, and yeah. old Captain Marvel yeah. have come out weeks apart. Yeah. I mean, we basically <laughs> had two Captain Marvels. All right, so Captain Marvel, alter ego of Billy Batson. He has a magical word where he yells Shazam. Shazam! And he gets his powers. Shazam is, of course, an acronym for the immortal elders from which he gets his power. Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. Nice. And that's what Shazam is. Now... In the 1940s, he was more popular than Superman. Oh, really? Outsold Superman. Wow. So, in the 1950s, he got sued. 
<laughs> because Shazam was too close to Superman. What? I mean, he's fast, he jumps, he's strong, all that if stuff. If anything, he's too close to the Flash, like, in appearance. <laughs> um, and then in the 70s, the rise of DC happened. DC bought the rights mm. to Captain Marvel. But at the time, another Captain Marvel was on the scene in Marvel. So DC <laughs> thought, I don't want any part of that. Um, sounded a little familiar. So they rebranded. And then from then on, 72, I think, the superhero was known as Shazam. Yeah, there you go. Um, so tell me about the movie, yeah? Okay, well, um, for starters, as of this morning, they've just um, smashed some fantastic box office records. They've just hit 300 million global this morning. Um, unlike another movie, which is also at the moment Hellboy, which has had a very steep decline in the <laughs> box office after its initial opening. So I don't think that that's going as well. Um, now, Shazam was made... Um, what have we got here? I forgot what I was going to say about Shazam. Now, the director, which is um, David F. Sandberg, um, he's based this rendition of the film heavily on DC's New 52 vision of the character. Um and that sort of ties into a another point I'm going to make about the villain a little bit later. Uh, but that's sort of the, the rendition in which this film was made. Uh, now, like I said before, America's sweetheart, Zachary Levi, is amazing. Um, and what I loved most about this film is I feel like this movie was... Like, this role was made for him because he gets to be a big kid because he is a big kid. He's a huge nerd. Um, massive geek. So most of this movie is uh, is Billy trying to figure out the powers of Shazam and like stuffing around, having a good time, which is perfect for Zachary Levi. Like I'm quite convinced that he wasn't acting for three quarters of this movie. He was just just that elated at getting to wear a superhero costume and get to mess around with superhero powers. Um, and it was just it was just delightful. It was so delightful and it made me so happy. So I'm like, this is all so genuine. Like, he's not even acting. He's just being himself, being like, oh, my God, you guys, I have superpowers. What the hell? And it's just so very good. And this, um, yeah, that was the strength of the movie to me. Yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah. childlike wonder exploration of the powers. Yeah. And um, very reminiscent of Iron Man 1. Mm. in terms of the comedy that derived from, you know, trying to work out how to fly and stuff. Yeah, but also a bit more endearing because it's like it, it's a kid. Because how old was he? Was he 13 or 12? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, so that's the other thing is that he's he's a kid but turns into like an adult with super strength and all the, all the bells and whistles that come with that. Um, so it was very, very cute. Um, and that was, that was very fun. Uh, there was also a great casting for 99% of the people. Um, so, like I said, Zachary Levi, slam dunk for this role. Um, his sort of foster brother, um, who I probably should have written down the name of the actor, but I didn't. Um, when I was watching, I sort of leant over to T and I'm like, hey, this kid looks like Seth Cohen, a.k.a. Adam Brody's uh, little brother. How funny is that? Uh, and then when you see him as an adult later in the film was actually played by Adam Brody. And yeah, I'm like, holy nice. shit. <laughs> so that was spectacular casting. And I also didn't know Adam Brody was in it. So I had uh, two of my great loves in the one movie. So, um, yeah, I was sold. <laughs> I, quite, I quite liked the family. Mm. The vibes of the family is good. So this is all a... The whole thing was like a foster home mm. sort of dealie with a sort of a hodgepodge of 
kids. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I quite liked that vibe. It was, you know, it was streamlined, Disney-fied, but, you know, the whole belonging, what is family, oh, yeah. blood versus where home is, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was that, a very, that was, I quite liked that. Very wholesome foster yeah. family. Um, and, and that's, I think, what sort of sets this apart, which does sort of change how I do have to look at some of the things in this film, is that this is definitely the most... Um, kid-friendly DC film we've had in this, you know, recent bunch of reboots. So, um, and that ties into some of my other thoughts as well, is that this is kind of more like, it's not a movie for kids, but it's a kiddish movie. And because of that, some of the concepts were a bit simplified. Like, for example, um, the villain wasn't great. Yeah, it was, he was in a different movie compared to everyone else. I found. Yeah, um, it wasn't even just that. It's just that it like he was a bit. His motivations were a bit simplistic. Like he had some daddy issues, and um, you know, therefore just wanted it power. Was, it was played by Mark Strong, who was also in the Brothers Grimsby. Yes, true. <laughs> um, he was also in Green Lantern, and he was super intense at a level above what anyone else in that movie was doing. Um, it was very caricatured. Yeah, given the childlike wonder vibes elsewhere. Mm. He was a bit weird, and his stuff went really, like, it, you know, it was disney there was no blood, but there was some real horror and death in it I didn't, that really didn't sit with me. I didn't have any issue with the horror parts. Um, it, it was more that they're just, like, it, it was just a very, it was a very simplistic villain. It was just, oh, I want more power. Rah, here's my quest for more power. Mm. Which I think... I think the reason behind that choice is probably because this was more of a kid's film, so they didn't want to hyper-develop a villain. It's just, he's a bad guy because he's bad and just wants power. That's all. That's the reason. And yeah, there's a little research base, and then that lady died, and it was sort of like, what's, what's happening? Like... Well, that's what's very interesting. This is what I was going to, this is what I was talking about before. This is based on the New 52s, and um, in that particular version, um, Dr. Savannah, or Savannah, or however you want to say it, Dr. Savannah, um, he's meant to be this, like, super intelligent, highly developed, very smart person who's, like, outstepping Shazam by miles because not only is he super intelligent, he's also obviously an adult. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I can um, hire a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do, Billy? So, um, and so, you know, he's meant to be that real, you know, like, mental powerhouse, but I just didn't really get that. And I think they, they sort of tried to convey that by being like, oh, look, he has a lab. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't really, like, I would have liked to see a bit more of the lab, maybe, like, show us that he's smart. Is he actually outstepping Billy because he's intelligent or just because he's an adult? Like, that's sort of the vibe that I got from that. Um, in saying that, like, yes, he wasn't a great villain, but uh, to me, it didn't really detract from the film experience. Like, the film wasn't about the villain, it was more just about Billy and his journey. So it would be nice if they made a Shazam 2, if they had a stronger villain, I guess. Um, but yeah, it didn't really detract from me. I still really enjoyed it. There was a bit of odd pacing, and like I said, the motivations in the middle. But um, but otherwise, like spectacular. Just great. Um, the thing I had the biggest kind of problem with is the mythology of Shazam and how it's either put it in or don't put it in. Don't speed through it. 
it was just confusing. There's this weird wizard. It did go like right in straight away. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're not messing around here. I was like, this wizard who gave the powers, and there's this weird cave where the ultimate bad power is sitting here, Mm. and all the bad things are enslaved right next to it. Yeah. And his whole thing was, I need to find the chosen one. So I'll just bring a hundred kids in here and be like, are you the chosen one? Look at this super evil power thing. Ooh, no, don't touch that. Ooh, you're not the chosen one. Goodbye. And it was the dumbest plan in history. Well, I didn't have a problem with that because I assume that's how it goes down in the comics. And so I was like, well, that's fine. Because you've got to remember that comics are ridiculous. Comics are silly. Like, that. they're they're designed to 11 like that. And so it can be hard to translate that into film sometimes. But the other thing, just speaking of the the wizard room and the demony things, is that they were also something not fleshed out. Like, they could have just been... Regular demons, like, yeah. here are demons, and I would have been like, yeah, cool. But because they were, um, like, they were the seven deadly sins, and that that wasn't explored at all. <laughs> yeah, and he showed a quick, like, you know, you get that 100 years ago, Sauron conquered the land sort of scene. <laughs> they did that, and he did it in eight seconds. And he sort of whipped a thing, and was like, oh, and then the, the all the masters, Mercury and Achilles and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, so which, which mythology is this from? What's mm. happening? What's that got to do with the seven deadly sins? And it all was very weird, and the wizard was a kooky dude. <laughs> so it was like, this, this all isn't sitting well. Also, why is this really bad thing here, and why is it so easy to get here? Like... Well, again, I think that's because, uh, you know, that's just how the comic was written. Like, it's a very comic story in that way. But I think the reason they zoomed through it again is because that might all be too much for kids to digest. Like, I think this movie is a PG movie, Mm. um, or at least maybe an M movie. But either way, it's not an MA movie. If it was an MA movie, they probably would have um, fleshed some of these things out, I think. If it was a PG movie, that office scene would terrify me. (laughs) Like, that was horrible. What did Venom end up being rated? I don't know. Because that was kind of sometimes kitty, but then super terrifying. Yeah. And I think we had issues with that. Uh, it also had a... Yeah. Who, but, was, who was the audience for this movie? But I think... Oh, no, I think that's rated M. Right. But we thought it should have been M-A. Right. Or something. Anyway, either way. That's so, it, you know, D, uh, you take the blood out and everything's okay. I'm like, I don't know. This implied <laughs> decapitation by monster bite. Yeah, that, is, was, um, that was nothing implied in, yeah. in that. In, uh, in Venom, anyway. Um, but back to this movie. Um, yeah, so, and that, you make a good point, is that they sort of very briefly mentioned, like, oh, yeah, all these powers came from these things. And it would have been cool to see a bit more of that. But on the other hand, I guess that wasn't really what the movie was about, and they're trying to sort of keep the, they were trying to keep the, keep to the basics in terms of backstory, bad guy motivations, so that it was more kid-friendly. And I think if you know that going in, then you're going to love it. But if you go in expecting, like, a highly fleshed out, origin story um you might be disappointed but honestly zachary levi being zachary levi makes up for literally anything so i think it's fine (laughs) right so you'd give it a thumbs up i would yeah it was really like go just to see zachary levi hop around be delighted (laughs) right um worth it i can't give it a thumbs up disappointing The, the tone was a mess the pacing was a mess the some of the stuff got cool towards the end and i won't talk about it because it's plot but it wasn't enough to redeem the hodgepodge early on, the mess. The, mm. the, I couldn't work out what this movie was trying to be. And as cool as it was seeing, you know, this guy play Shazam, mm. that wasn't enough for the rest of the shortcomings of the movie. Yeah. Um, while, you know, in the DC-verse, while it's better than BVS and Suicide Squad, it wasn't anywhere near Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and the like. 
So, ah, see, I disagree. Sharply in the middle. <laughs> I disagree because all of those movies are meant to be very gritty movies, whereas this is, well, maybe not Aquaman, um, but this was definitely a lot more on the lighter side compared to what we've seen in DC. It's something that's a lot more kid-friendly. So I think if you know that you're going in to see a fun, kid-friendly movie, you're going to be all right with it. But if you're going in expecting super complex villains and backstories that this is probably not the movie for you mm. um but go see zachary levi zachary levi because i love him and i said so head on in one each way <laughs> yeah so um tell us if you enjoyed it good pop underscore bad pop now now that we've done our big movie review uh, i just want to remind everyone again if you are watching game of thrones week to week don't forget we have our spoiler cast coming out every Tuesday. So um, listen in for that. Um, or don't save them up for when you watch it all at once and listen for seven hours. It's up to you, really. You can't do that because it would just the first six hours would just be of us guessing stuff that was wrong. Yeah, and they'd just listen and be like, ha-ha, those idiots. <laughs> don't judge how people want to listen to our program. <laughs> they might still want to. Uh, anyway, so don't forget that we are doing that every Tuesday, um, wherever you listen to this regular podcast. Um, as well as that, I'm pretty sure that next week we're going to have another very exciting movie to talk about. Are we? Yes, we are. Do what you know what the movie is? Avengers Endgame, baby. Uh, I thought that was going to be a new, like... You sound so disappointed. What's wrong no, with no. you? I'm working on a joke. No. You, you I, I thought you were about to tell me um, the Fast and Furious spinoff was coming out next week. I know. <laughs> um, so next week we will be reviewing Avengers Endgame. I'm preparing to dehydrate myself in anticipation so I don't have to get up to pee for the three hour oh God, plus three movie. Hours. <laughs> See, because it'd be convenient to go to midnight screening because then your day to day stuff. But if you're seeing a three and a bit hour movie, that starts at midnight. That's not getting home at four thirty. That's that's my bedtime. That's don't be so uncool, T. Uh, I am uncool. I'm an old man. Like I, I can't stay up that late. I saw. I'm I've seen a, a few coffee midnight. at eleven and kick on. I've been seeing the Star Wars movies at midnight, and it's been destroying me. <laughs> like, You're so late. Ah, <laughs> uh, Force Awakens. I got home at like three thirty, and I'm like, I, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, done. Well, let's see how we go. Either way, we'll be doing that next week. So um, if you have seen any Twilight Zone, please send us a tweet. Good pop underscore bad pop. We want to hear about your favourites. What one are you hoping that they're going to reboot for this new Twilight Zone series? Have you seen the reboot Twilight Zone series? Do you like it? Keep us posted. You can also catch us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good pop bad pop podcast and also on the gram at Good Pop Bad Pop Podcast. Until next week, we will see you then. Goodbye! In the twilight.